the more people tell you it's not possible, that it can't be done, the more you should be absolutely determined to prove them wrong. Treat the word impossible as nothing more than motivation. Relish the opportunity to be an outsider. Embrace that label. Being an outsider is fine. Embrace the label. Because it's the outsiders who change the world and who make a real and lasting difference. Gentlemen, welcome to a brand new edition of Over the Line, Adrian McClain, the first episode since election night. This is kind of a big deal. We have been MIA for, I guess, over a week because of, of uh, various reasons. You know, we, we have personal issues or whatever we had to handle, but we kept an eye on it. And, and for those of you that follow us on social media, you know that we have absolutely been on top of it. But over the past few days, as people keep asking me questions about why, Andrew, are you so confident that Trump is going to pull this thing out? I'm so worried. I'm, I'm stressing out. I said, you know what? It's time to come back. You know what? Forget the circumstances. Forget what's going on in the personal life. We got to get back on top of this thing. So that's exactly what we are going to do. Because really, there's no more important time than now to get the word out. I am very encouraged by the MAGA crowd and what they have done to keep this movement going and not just throw their hands up and say, you know what, we got screwed over, but there's nothing we can do about it. The forces that be are too powerful. The powers that be are too powerful and there's nothing we can do. They didn't say that. And they didn't say that because Donald Trump instilled in people a will that allows them to finally fight back. You, you saw it in the Republican Party. We've talked about that numerous times. But he's also instilled that same fight into conservatives across this country. And I think that's one of the biggest takeaways uh, I've seen since this election. Now, don't get me wrong. It's absolute chaos. It's insanity. And it's not what I expected. You know, my prediction was landslide Willie, but we got this. There's no real reason to worry. You want to go out. You want to be a part of this historic moment, but don't worry because this movement is way too large. And still to this day, it's the largest movement, the most energetic movement I've ever seen in the history of politics ever, ever bigger than Obama, bigger than anything. I've never seen anything like this. But I did not anticipate the amount of voter fraud that would be committed in this election. Did I know there was going to be voter fraud? Of course. We talked about it. It happens every election cycle. Did I think there would be an uptick because of the push of mail-in voting? Yes. And we knew that that's why they pushed mail-in voting. It wasn't COVID. It wasn't the health and safety of their constituents or voters, it was an opportunity to push fraud to a level that we've never seen in this country. They knew they had a weak candidate. We knew they had a weak candidate. The guy couldn't even campaign. Here and here's the thing: this is 
This is why this is so unbelievable. I've been following politics for a long time. Some of you guys have as well. You know there are certain rules within politics that that are a must if you are going to win a race. Win any race, but especially when it comes to a presidential race. There are musts that you have to do. One of those is campaign your heart out. Campaign your heart out. Go across the country Several appearance, shaking hands, kissing babies. You got to do it. There's no way to win any election without doing that. So you take what we've seen, the worst candidate in in in, in Democrat Party history, at least modern history, in Joe Biden, a guy with a racist past, a guy with sketchy dealings all over the world, peddling influence that could put this this country in danger on the world stage. A guy that that has been there for a half a century and got nothing done. His colleagues don't even like him. Even Obama said, never underestimate Joe's ability to F something up. That's what, that's what Barack Obama said. And then we're supposed to believe that that candidate who spent most of the campaign in his basement didn't make any appearances. And when he did, he, he netted about 15 people per appearance. We're supposed to believe that this guy garnered more votes than Barack Obama's historic 2008 win. It's not possible. It's not possible. That's just on his face. That's without seeing any evidence whatsoever. I'm just giving you what it looks like on its face. Okay? This is evidence-free. We're not looking at the vote. Nothing, Nothing of the sort. This is just what it looks like, and what the conclusion would have to be. And there's only one conclusion. It's not possible. Now, when you start looking into details of votes and tallies and numbers of people voting, those are impossible as well, which we'll get into in this episode. But I'm excited to be back. I'm, I'm excited to be with you guys. I, I know um, I, I'm not, I'm not going to make excuses, but we all have situations in life where we just have to back away, but I guarantee you I have been on top of this stuff every single step of the way since election night. Every step of the way. The ups, downs, the highs and lows, and and don't let... It, the problem is you guys have been having to watch me from a point of view of only what I put on social media. You get more of a detailed version of me by watching these videos and listening to the podcast because you get to hear my analysis you get to hear the the details of of what i think and why i think what i think on on social media i'm just blasting stuff out there and and typically i'm not even responding to comments just because you know for no other reason than i'm just not good at it yeah and i i I know if if i go down that road that i'm gonna have to answer all of them and i don't feel like doing that so that's why we do these We want you to come here and we want you to watch and get the answers that you are seeking. And so, again, I'm I'm glad we're we're doing this again. And by the way, there's another thing, and I thought about this last night as I was getting into bed. I am refusing to cut my hair until Donald Trump is announced the winner of this election. I'm not going to do it. And I'm not a long hair guy. I'm always a very short hair guy. But my hair is growing out. It's getting long. For for those of you on YouTube, do you wanna you wanna see this? Look, see how bad this is. Look at that. Would y'all look at that? It's rough, y'all. 
It's got a little bit of an Alex Jones feel to it. It's uh, it's so long that I'm starting to use conditioner. I don't even know what conditioner does. I've never used it in my life, but it seems like it's helping. I feel like, I feel like it makes my, my hair softer. If you look over here, here's a video I took last night. I got Trish to take it for me. And it shows how luscious my hair is after I get out of the shower. And uh, watch, watch this video right here. Check this out. We did a little slow motion video. Look how smooth and silky that hair is. Oh, oh yes. You guys eat your heart out. I'll have that in a man bun in no time. Look at that. I don't mean to make you guys jealous, but look at that do. I put a lot of hard work into that, so that's uh, I'm not cutting my hair until after the election, uh, or until Donald Trump is is uh, is announced president. So I may I may be rocking the man bun for the first time in my life, which I'm okay with. Listen, we. I'm getting to the point where where I'm getting close to I, I guess the threshold of a midlife crisis, and maybe that's what I'm going through. I'm more than happy to accept that. Uh, I say, bring it on. What's a what's a midlife crisis? I from what I know, a midlife crisis is not necessarily a bad thing. Every time I've seen about somebody go through it, they like buy a motorcycle or something. You know, like what's what's bad about that? So I'm ready. All right, let's get into it. Y'all ready? I'm ready. You ready? First of all, follow us on the social media. There's there's, there's big things happening on the social media front. We're still keeping our Facebooks and our Twitters. Uh, so if you're still on there, stay on there. And, and we're only going to do that because of people that are not moving over or haven't moved over to other social media platforms yet. So on Twitter, at Andrew McLean Who. And on Facebook, facebook.com slash over the line. That's the show page. But we have moved to MeWe. We have moved to Parlor. If you don't know what those are, those are two different, two new uh, uh, social media platforms. MeWe, M-E-W-E, and I know that sounds weird. I'm, I'm not used to saying it. MeWe has got it, it, uh, more of a Facebook feel. Okay, so for some of y'all that only use Facebook, MeWe may be your route to go because of just the format of the whole thing, the layout. It's more, it reminds me more of Facebook. So we're on there. I don't even know. I've tried to figure out if I have like a um, a username or something. I don't know how it works. But because it's like Facebook, you put your actual name instead of like, you know, a nickname or whatever. So it's just Andrew McLean on MeWe. And then you move over. Hold on, I'm looking on parlor and on parlor it is at andrew mclean who parlor is more like twitter it's got more of a you know retweet and comment type of thing you know you can obviously post pictures and whatever else but that's that's kind of my analysis of of what each of those are MeWe's facebook Parlor is Twitter, and Parlor is actually, from what I understand, owned by Dan Bongino. You know, former Secret Service agent Dan Bongino. You've seen him on the news and on Fox News. He's got his own show, radio show, podcast, whatever. He owns that, from what I understand, which was very confusing when I saw Fox News doing a story the other day about how George Soros is is a major owner in Parlor. <laughs> 
and then and then Dan Bongino had to come out on on Parlor and on Twitter and say this is this is bullcrap. I own Parlor. You think I would know if if George Soros was a major stakeholder in my company? Nonetheless, uh, Fox News has got their own problems, which we'll talk about maybe tomorrow or later in the week. Uh, I feel bad for them in a sense because I've got friends that that work there that work on air. Uh, they're not the the people that are causing this problem per se. They are going to be collateral damage, but for some reason, the people at Fox News, whether it's being held over their head that they have to conduct themselves this way or what, uh, they're they're shooting themselves in the foot big time, and their ratings are crashing. But like I said, we'll we'll get into that. Let's get into the election itself. You ready? Let's go. Voter fraud. Voter fraud is popping up. Left and right, up, down, left, right, east, west, north, south. Yet the media continues to tell you that there is no voter fraud. Front page of the New York Times just yesterday telling you there is no voter fraud. I've actually, let's see, I think I've got the front page of the New York Times here somewhere. Let's say, yeah, just yesterday, Veterans Day. This is how they spent their Veterans Day. Front page, big bold letters on the top. Election officials nationwide find no fraud. None whatsoever. So you you don't have to ask any more questions. There is no fraud. Zilp, zilch, whatever you call it. Zero. Zero fraud. Which strikes people like myself and some of you that are watching this video as odd because we're watching it happen day after day. And here's one thing I want you to remember is that as we see this this voter fraud come out, these are a lot of these are instances that just average people are finding, internet sleuths, people in the MAGA crowd that are doing their own research and finding this stuff out. It's not information we're getting from lawsuits that the Trump team has filed in these different states or any sort of official investigation. This is what we're doing. So imagine what they've got on top of that. But even what we have seen is an astounding amount of evidence of voter fraud, which would actually, what I would assume, would fall in the category of widespread voter fraud. You gotta pay attention to the left because they're big on, on playing on words. Their whole thing, and, and it's obvious because that's how they they run their reporting. It's it, they want to be technically truthful, but they want to use certain words or phrases to frame a story a certain way. They want to frame it to where it leads you in the direction they want you to go. So they start off with the exception of New York Times, who still says there's no fraud, N-O, none. They start off with there's no voter fraud. There's no such thing as voter fraud. It's a conspiracy. It's bullcrap. It's just something sore losers, you know, come up with to, to make a, an excuse for why they lost. Then we moved on to there's no such thing as widespread voter fraud because they were presented with the evidence. It's like, well, here's the voter fraud you said didn't exist. Well, yeah, okay, there is voter fraud, but... There's not widespread voter fraud that can swing an election. We're looking at razor-thin razor margins 
in states that will decide this election. And you're telling me, even if it is just a little bit of voter fraud, that it wouldn't matter? Give me a break. It's all over the place. So it's not going to be just a little bit of voter fraud here, a little bit of voter fraud there, but nonetheless, I'm going to explain it to you. I'm going to explain to you why you should be confident that voter fraud is going to be exposed on a massive scale. It's going to be exposed big time. There's things on the internet, videos and stuff, that there's no way to confirm them whatsoever. There's nothing really you can do except you know use your own judgment about one particular thing. A lot of stuff on Snapchat or TikTok or even Instagram. Uh, there's this one video, I think this came off of TikTok, and it seems to be what looks like a postal worker who is going through mail and finding ballots, I guess, that have been mailed in, and is pulling them out of the, the privacy sleeve, looking to see who voted, who, who the, the voter voted for, and then when they see it's Donald J. Trump, they take it and they rip it and just say, well, that one's not going to make it to the mail. Watch this guy right here. Again, cannot verify this whatsoever, but it does make you scratch your head. Bellouts, which means we get your votes and we separate them. So if some of these votes happen to say, like this one, Donald J. Dumb Trump, that one just don't make it towards the mail. That one just don't make it towards the mail. Rips it in half and then throws it behind him. Say that one's not going to make it. Now, again, that's a short clip showing one guy ripping up one ballot. Looks like a legit ballot. But there's no way to verify that. Is there a way to possibly figure out who this guy is and then interrogate him? Yeah, maybe. But can you trust the people interrogating this guy? Probably not. So does it really matter? His face is covered up. You can't really tell where he's at. He seems to be in the back of a mail truck, maybe. But nonetheless, that's that's one that's probably not going to be resolved any time soon. Now, example after example after example continues to pop up. And I'm looking through here to see some of the others that I can find. We have Laura Ingram talking to a postal worker out of Nevada giving information on what this this is a, a female postal worker what she has seen and she has heard at the at well one of the post offices there in Nevada they'll give you the details on this video but it's very interesting to hear these people who have to disguise themselves disguise their voices under the threat of of retribution at their job i mean these people you think about this these people have to make a decision on am i going to come forward and do the right thing for my country and say there's some shenanigans going on here or do i just keep quiet so i can keep my job and move on with my life that's their two choices because if they blow the whistle they're effectively saying all right i'm willing to lose my job and chances are they will Here's that clip from Laura Ingram. With the shocking details 
Now, we're going to be concealing her identity, even disguising her voice over her own safety concerns. Uh, thank you for joining us. Um, you saw something suspicious. We're going to get right into it tonight. Happening on the side of a Biden-Harris van in the parking lot of the polling station. Now, walk the audience through what happened. I went out to go for a walk on my break, and I probably had a... Uh, 150, 175-foot stretch where I was walking. The, the Biden van was parked along this stretch, and I was walking to it, so about 150 feet. I was walking, and I could see these people hand over what appeared to be white envelopes, just hand over onto this table. And as I got closer, the envelopes were being torn open. There were two men or two people dropping the envelopes and two people ripping them open and turning and facing the van and drawing on them or marking them. And as I got closer, you know, as I was walking, they would put things down and pick more paper up and mark on the van and then put it down and pick some more up. And as I got closer, I thought, those are ballots. And I didn't, you know, I was in my polling um, uniform, basically. And as I walked by, I looked and I thought, those are ballots. And I, it kind of was an odd, like, what are they doing? There were four total people, but only two were marking and opening the envelopes and the paper. And as it took about a six minute walk to walk this parking lot. And I did it. I just walked my entire lunch hour. And so I came around the second time and they're still opening and marking the ballots. But you didn't and say I, anything? You didn't say anything when you first saw it? I mean, how close were you to be able to see a ballot? Well, I was, as I was walking towards them, I was, you know, like... So uh, there's, there's the end of that clip. That's all I've got on that front. But here is one of many examples of a postal worker, this time in Nevada, saying, hey, I saw this shady business going on where people who have no right to have access to these ballots are not only handling the ballots, but they're busting them open and they're writing on them or filling them out or something. So I've got to tell somebody about this, and that's exactly what they're doing. Now, these people, it's really, I said it's about their job. It's its more than their job. I mean, it's, it's their livelihood. You're dealing with people that are dangerous people and people that have shown you that they will, in fact, do anything for power. The democracy be damned. The election be damned. They do not care about anything but power, and they will destroy anything that is in their way. I believe these people understand that when they come forward, and really what that does is that makes them true patriots. There are so many of these people out here. Kaylee McEnany was on with Sean Hannity talking about this very issue, saying, hey, I've got stacks of sworn affidavits that we are going to be filing in court, in particular in Pennsylvania. And uh, these affidavits, keep in mind, when somebody signs those, it's, it's their sworn testimony that they saw, witnessed, or was involved in X, Y, and Z. So these are sworn affidavits of people seeing, saying, I saw voter fraud right before my eyes. If they put that out there, if they sign that paper, and it is found to be false, that they fabricated that story, 
they could in fact go to prison. It's a crime to swear out an affidavit if it is in fact untrue. So why would so many people be doing it under that kind of threat, especially when they know the people they are going up against? Here is Kaylee McEnany on Sean Hannity talking about that very thing. Listen to this. That's right. I did, Sean. Uh, we keep hearing the drumbeat of where is the evidence? Right here, Sean. 234 pages of sworn affidavits. These are real people, real allegations, signed with notaries who are alleging the following, among other contentions. They are alleging this is one county, Wayne County, Michigan. They are saying that there was a batch of ballots where 60% had the same signature. They are saying that 35 ballots uh, had no voter record, but they were counted anyway. That 50 ballots were run multiple times through a tabulation machine. Uh, that one woman said her son was deceased, but nevertheless somehow voted. Uh, these are one of many, many allegations in one county, in a county no less, where our poll watchers were in many cases threatened with racial harassment. Uh, they were pushed out of the way, and Democrat challengers were handing out documents how to distract GOP challengers. These are real, and anyone who cares about transparency and the integrity of the system should want this to pursue to the discovery phase. They don't care about transparency. They don't care about the truth. They know exactly what they did, and they're going to do everything they can to protect it. Now, what I'm doing here is I'm explaining to you why I'm so confident about this. Because, again, I've been asked this question a hundred times. Why are you so confident? What makes? Where'd you get this info? Where'd you get that info? It's why we do the show. If I explain to you guys everything on social media, then y'all probably wouldn't watch this. And then I'd just be wasting my time. I don't want to do that. So... There's a lot of moving parts when it comes down to this. A lot of moving parts. We keep seeing more things like this. Um, in Pennsylvania, 100,000 ballots. Tens, um, tens of thousands of ballots in Pennsylvania returned earlier than their sent date. What is this tomfoolery on this website? What? What? What are they doing? They got my thing blurred out. I guess they want me to buy a subscription. Tens of thousands of ballots in Pennsylvania returned. Returned to be counted, right? Returned to the polling location to be counted before the date that they were sent out. Which shows that they were fraudulent. They were bust in by somebody. They just made a misstep and happened to bring them in maybe just a day or two early. And now people are scratching their head going, what in the world? Again, we see this kind of stuff every election. We do. We see it all over the place. But this is on a much, much larger scale. And that's the one thing I want you guys to understand. This is much bigger than we have ever, ever seen in our lives. And a lot of people knew this was coming. A lot of people called it. Jim Jordan, for one, back uh, in August, what was it? August 24th, 2020, in one of the congressional hearings, they were talking about mail-in voting. He predicted it to a T. Here's what Jim Jordan said on this very issue. We all know what this is about. 
This is about these guys wanting chaos and confusion because they, I think they know this. I think they know on election night, President Trump's going to win. They know on election day, the vote count on election day, President Trump's going to win. And they want to keep counting. Six weeks, four weeks, Iowa caucus, whenever. That, I don't know when they decided that one. I still don't know if they've declared a winner. I don't know if it was Bernie or Biden or whoever was running then. That's what they want. He said on election day, they're going to realize that Trump had an overwhelming amount of support. In this case, seven, eight, nine million more people voting for him than voted for him in 2016. So they have to keep shipping in more ballots, in more ballots. Why do you think they stopped in the middle of the night? Why do you think that, that something that's never happened before, where precincts just stop counting in the middle of the night on election night and say, ah, we're just, we're just going to start doing it tomorrow. And then, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning, they resume counting when everybody's gone home, especially the Republican poll watchers, they resume counting when nobody's there because nobody knew they were starting back up. Why do you think that is? It was the plan all along. Hey, we don't want to make it look unbelievable. Like, <laughs> we don't want, like, imagine if Joe Biden got 72 million votes. Like, nobody's going to believe that. Nobody's going to believe that he blew Barack Obama's 2008 record out of the water, right? So we don't want to do that. But what we'll do is we'll just see how many votes Trump gets, and then we'll just kind of keep pulling them in until we can just make sure he's a little bit over Trump. They underestimated how many votes Trump was going to get. So they ended up putting themselves in a position where they had to have Joe Biden beating Barack Obama's 2008 landslide. Just think about it. It's common sense. I've talked to so many people that are still to this day Obama fans. They still like Barack Obama. They, they may not all think he was the best president ever, but they liked him. They thought his presidency was historic and whatever. And whether we disagree on that or what, it's whatever. But what we do agree on is that none of us believe that Joe Biden, the worst Democrat candidate in modern history, got that many more votes than Obama in 2008. Nobody believes it. It's a lie. It's absolutely a lie. The Democrats know it's a lie. Republicans know it's a lie. Even the people that are celebrating Joe Biden's victory, they know it's a lie. That's why they're pushing so hard to throw out constitutional norms of giving the president his due process to go and double-check these votes and saying, hey, hurry up and hand the keys over to the White House. Let's get this going. This is crazy. We're living in desperate times. We got COVID to deal with. We got international issues to deal with. We need to make sure Joe Biden's ready. Get him in the White House. Remove Trump immediately. They want that done. It, it's much like in a football game. When a, a first down is made by a team on offense, they make the first down, but as the announcers up in the booth are replaying it, it is clear he didn't make the first down. The players on the field, on the offense, they know, hey, we, we, I don't think we made this first down either. But what they do is they hurry up, run back to the line of scrimmage, and hurry up and try to snap the ball. 
Because once they snap the ball, the referees cannot review the previous play. Once the ball snapped and the play is conducted, the referees can't say, oh, we're going to wipe that out. We're going to go back to the last one and review the play and see if you actually got the first down. They can't do that. Just like Joe Biden getting the keys to the White House and getting settled in, getting his transition team together and everything being swapped over, once the fraud is exposed, it's like, well, it's too late. Just worry about it in four years. That's the plan. That's why they're in such a panic. That's why they're in such a hurry. As far as Fox News goes, I can't really explain why they're doing what they're doing. Doesn't make a lot of sense to me. They've got to know that they're shooting themselves in the foot. But there's something about this election, whether they're involved in the fraud or what, that they're willing to push Joe Biden. They're willing to hurry up and get back to the line of scrimmage and run that next play because they don't want the previous play reviewed. And I don't understand why. The, The only reasonable explanation is... They think they can be more successful in the ratings, which up until a week ago, they were doing great. They were blowing everybody out. What else is there to gain? Maybe they're bored with covering this president. Maybe they want to get back to the defensive side of politics, or I'm sorry, the offensive side of politics, where they get to attack the president on a regular basis, where they get to take shots at the left because the left is in power in the White House. Maybe that's what they want. Maybe they miss that nostalgia of, of the Obama years. I don't know. But it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. I, I saw this clip just a day or two ago where, gosh, I can't think of these names half the time, but it's the chick that's on with, um, it's John Roberts and Sandra Smith. I believe is who this is. And the, uh, uh, John, it's not John Roberts, it's the other guy, Trey Smith, maybe. I can't remember their names. Uh, but he's interviewing two people talking about the Joe Biden victory. And one of the guests is saying, hey, Joe Biden hasn't won this thing. And there's a clip of Sandra Smith in the background. She doesn't realize she's on camera. And she's making faces like, oh, we've already called it. This race is over. Oh. Why would she say that? Watch it right here for you on YouTube. Those of you on the audio podcast, you can, uh, you'll can you be able to hear this as well. Whoever is decided to be the president, remember, just because CNN says, or even Fox News says that somebody's president, doesn't make them president. So I think everybody what? wants to know that this was done properly mm. and legally. What is happening? We like, Trace, we've results. called it. And I think we have to look into every one of these concerns. Yeah, so and I think... What is happening, Trace? We've already called it. Oh, how dare question our call? The media does not decide who wins an election. That's been a misconception for decades. Everybody just kind of went with what the media said over the years because the media actually used to be the standard. Not that they officially decided, but people just took their word on it. That was back in the day where they weren't completely dishonest. Now they are completely dishonest. And they're not to be trusted. And they expect us to say, okay, well, I guess since you said it, you're that's it. The election's over. We can stop fighting now. This is the same mainstream media 
that tried to cram down our throats that Trump will lose in 2016. That the Trump team colluded with Russia. That the election had been hacked, had been interfered with. That Jesse Smollett was the victim of a hate crime. That Bubba Wallace had a noose placed in his NASCAR garage because of the color of his skin. Because of Nicholas Sandman, the Covington kid, we were told was harassing a Native American that was peacefully protesting in Washington, D.C. The same media that joined with many other radicals in calling for defunding the police. The same media that said those, uh, those protests and those riots were mostly peaceful. The same media that told us impeachment was the only answer. Now they want to tell us who the winner of the election is? I don't think so. But I, not today. You've had your time. It's over. The American people are not putting up with it any longer. Because what this comes down to is something much bigger than Donald Trump. This is much bigger than Donald Trump. This is about the democracy of this country. This is about whether or not you will ever get to pick your president ever again in the future. This is about the people that have always said, I don't vote because my vote doesn't really matter. As of right now, it seems those people were right all along. It's not about Trump. It's not about Republicans. It's about this country, what it was built on, what it stands for, and whether or not it will survive. So many countries have, have, have suffered the same fate, taken the same road. You can talk to any native of any other country that's watched this happen. In Cuba, in Venezuela. They'll tell you, hey, we've seen this story. We know how it ends. We no longer get to pick our elected officials. And so we live in squalor. We dig through trash cans. We have to have family from America send us essentials like toilet paper and toothpaste. Because we're not able to get it here anymore. We allowed those in power to ruin our country. Instead of us knowing what is best for us, being able to pick our elected leaders. Let me move back over to the voter fraud real quick on the mail front. You heard the lady talking to Laura Ingram, one of the whistleblowers, one of many. But the first one, the original one, and the one that's getting the most attention is a guy that approached James O'Keefe. And this guy's name is... Robert, um, where is his name? Uh, hold on and I'll find it. Uh, well, I can't find it, but it'll, it'll play it in this, uh, in this video. So, this guy reaches out to Project Veritas and says, hey, I hear my, um, I think it's Richard Hopkins, by the way. He says, 
I heard my superiors talking about backdating ballots, ballots that came in late that would, you know, by law have to be thrown out, telling them to backdate them and go ahead and, and count them. Completely illegal acts that could completely sway an election. This is how it started. James O'Keefe get in t- gets in touch with this guy and talks to him via phone. They obviously have a um, some sort of, of cameraman following him around while he talks to James O'Keefe. I guess just for the optics. I mean, it just seems to be something to make the video better. I, I'm not real sure why they did that. But here is... Hopkins and James O'Keefe in their first interaction. The postal inspector contacted you today in, in Pennsylvania? Yes. Uh, yes. What did they say to you? Uh, they asked me the same questions you asked me yesterday about the, what I'd seen and what, what I'd heard. And we're asking if I had any more information or whatnot. You witnessed your supervisor backdating a ballot to November 3rd? I did not witness them backdating it. I witnessed them talking about backdating. What did you hear them say? They were talking about how the day before, which was before, they had postdated all but one of the all but one of the uh, ballots that were picked up as the third, but they had one that they made a mistake and postmarked it before. You heard Robert Weisenbacher say this to. Daryl or Daryl say it. How did it? How did you hear it? Uh, Robert was saying it to Daryl. Robert was saying it to Daryl. Yes. To to to. They made a mistake on the ballot, and they should have backdated the November fourth ballot to November third. Correct. Yes. And you heard this, and um, since you did the interview with me uh, in the shadows, what what has happened to you at your employment? They they were taking an action against you today. I'm not for sure, but they are bringing up stuff that happened, uh, like, in the past. So they brought up old allegations against you today that were already adjudicated, and they brought those up today? Yes. These inspectors have... What, what was this, What was the nature of your conversation with the uh, uh, post office officials that reached out to you today about this, about our interview? Uh, they said that uh, I was... Well, because of certain factors, I was kind of implicated as the one who had came out. So they wanted to get in my side of the story because they wanted to start an investigation into this. I think this comes from above them, and that's what I told the officer inspectors. I just think they were just doing what they're told. And, yeah. So there is the story from Richard Hopkins. He's like, here's what I heard. The, these guys are just going with what they've been told from the higher-ups, telling them, hey, y'all backdate these ballots. Get them sent through. We need as many of these votes going through as possible. And then Project Veritas actually gets their hands on recordings of federal agents who then had approached this USPS whistleblower, and they are intimidating him or trying to scare him into redacting his statement and saying, hey, you know, you didn't really hear all this. You've seen it. I've been watching this thing on Netflix called Confession Tapes where they take these people and get them into such a mentally uh, uh, scrambled state They just tell them what they want to hear so they can get out of there. They scare them into telling them just whatever 
whatever they want to hear. Here's some of that audio recording of the uh, of the interrogation. Let me see if I can find it. I hope I've got it. Twitter may have actually deleted this interrogation. Oh no, here we go. We're gonna have to find it on the on the YouTube. Now, wow, that's the whole thing. I can't do that. So uh Russell Strasser, who is the USPS Office of the Inspector General, interrogates this whistleblower and scares him into retracting what he said. Now, this all happened before, allegedly, before he talked to James O'Keefe. And so James O'Keefe finally, once that audio gets to him, he's like, what's the deal? The whistleblower's like, well, here's here's actually what happened. They were trying to scare the crap out of me, so I just, I didn't really tell them it was false, but they sort of painted it that way. Here's the interview where O'Keefe is talking to the whistleblower about that very issue. They were grilling the hell out of me. How are you feeling right now? I'm kind of pissed. I feel like I just got played. And I heard him say to the supervisor that they messed up yesterday. That they And I was, so I was like, oh, what did they mess up on? And uh, he told the, the supervisor that um, they had uh, postmarked one of the ballots the fourth instead of the third as they were supposed to hit uh, put them for the third and so let me let me make good on that promise right away okay this storm is getting crazy right now for those of you listening to the audio version of this this now has caught to the audio tapes of the interrogation from Russell Strasser, who is the USPS Office of the Inspector General, and he is interviewing the whistleblower at this point. And it's out of a lot of people's control. And so the reason they called me in is to try to harness that storm, try to reel it back in before it gets really crazy. Okay. Because we have senators involved. We have the Department of Justice involved. We have yeah. Trump's all... lawyers' teams gotten a hold of me. I, I, I'm not. Well, I am actually. I am trying to twist you a little bit because in that, believe it or not, your mind will kick in. Okay. Um, we like to control our mind, and when we do that, we can convince ourselves of a memory. But when you're under a little bit of stress, which is what I'm doing to you purposely, um, your mind can be a little bit clearer. And we're going to do a different exercise, too, to make your mind a little bit clearer. Good to go. So, but this is all on purpose. Roger. I'm not scaring you, but I am scaring you here. It seems like they were trying to make me distrust y'all. And he says, I'm not scaring you, but I am scaring you. I'm going to put some stress on you, and it'll help you think more clearly and remember it better. In other words, you're going to be in some deep duty if you don't tell me what I want to hear. At the same time, it, it, it kind of affected, but at the same time, I was like, no, nah, these guys have had my back since the get-go. So I, that's why I continued. Do you think these federal agents have your back? At this point, no. Hell Do you think these federal agents are really interested in investigating fraud? Honestly, I don't think they are. 
And in fact, you heard Weisenberg tell a supervisor they were backdating the ballots to make it appear they've been collected on November 3rd. You still stand by that? Yeah. Yes. And, and this is what's amazing. In the audio tapes, the the investigator says, hey, listen, we got a lot of stake here. We got senators involved. The DOJ's involved. Like, we got a lot of high-profile people that this is going to affect. And that's why we need you to kind of go back on what you've been saying on this stuff because we're trying to keep it down low, huh? We need you, we need you to keep it quiet if you could. Now, the Washington Post and the media, and the Washington Post in particular, has gone into overdrive as far as covering up this. The fact that this whistleblower is still saying, hey, my statements are true. I witnessed this backdating. I witnessed them talking about this backdating. The media has gone into overdrive as far as covering it up and saying, hey, it's all false allegations. Don't believe it. It's probably Russia propaganda. Don't listen to them. Here's one of the Washington Post writers on CNN with Anderson Cooper. On Monday, at the end of which uh, he made sworn statements recanting uh, the allegations he made. Speaking with sources today, you know, the kinds of words they, they used for me to describe that conversation was uh, overly embellished or totally made up. So where is this information coming from? Because we have a, we have audio, we have audio of this conversation, some of which we've released, all of which we're releasing tomorrow, the raw, the raw. So why are these federal agents talking to the Washington Post and not giving this USPS whistleblower the thing that he supposedly signed, that then they pressured him for four hours. He completely walked back the idea that uh, he overheard uh, his postmaster or other supervisors talking about manipulating ballots in a certain way. I should mention that Mr. Hopkins this evening uh, with Project Veritas, a, a right-wing group that has uh, tried to run sting operations uh, against credible journalists, Run sting operations against credible journalists. You know what the difference between Project Veritas and these alleged real journalists are? The real journalists, real journalists, they just write things down on paper and post them on a website. Project Veritas provides you with audio and video of their reporting on everything. Everything. The other journalists, you just got to take their word that what they're writing is true. Um, and catch them in, in errors. Incredible journalists. We have evidence. We have recordings of what the federal agents said and did. You have no recordings. You have no evidence, Mr. Bogage. You have nothing. You have no documents. You have no evidence. You have no signed documents. We do have a signed affidavit. We do have the federal agents recording it on tape saying that we're trying to, quote, scare you and, quote, twist you a little bit. You have nothing but your credibility. Project Veritas has never lost a lawsuit. You've settled on lawsuits, many lawsuits, many times. Uh, has put out a video where Mr. Hopkins denies denying the allegations. Uh, but he, we also know through through credible sources. Credible sources. He, he did the exact opposite. Okay, but we haven't seen any documents. We haven't seen any audio. And we do have Richard now on tape again doubling down. So when you say credible sources, who are these sources are they sock puppets and 
Tell me again, why should I presume credibility of a source inside the federal government, which would leak to you, but not under the law required by law, give the document that this man supposedly signed to the man who signed it? Why are they presumed prima facie credible? Why are we supposed to believe your sources and not our own lying eyes, Richard on the video doubling down, losing his job because he believes in what he saw and he's willing to risk his life and his job? He's a Marine, he's a veteran, he has a family, and he's out on a limb. And we're supposed to believe your credible sources. We can't see them, we can't hear them, we know nothing. Except we're supposed to believe what you tell us. Why well, don't believe it for a second? No, it's it's so absolutely is... sickening when you think about it. And this is another point, is the fact that this guy, he is a veteran, he's a Marine. He did, in fact, lose his job because of this james o'keefe and i guess others then started a gofundme page to help this guy feed his family and pay his bills take a wild guess what gofundme did correct they took down the page and sent all the donations back to the donators so he could not receive any money whatsoever this is all coordinated and this is why this is such a big deal, and this is not an easy fight. Because you are going toe-to-toe -to -toe right now with some of the biggest, strongest powers in this country. People that have been, been building power for decades. A machine that up to this point has never been stopped. Always gotten their way. And we're at a point in this country's history where the people are finally standing up and saying no more. No more of you running our lives. No more of you picking our elected officials. Just look at how we got here in this election cycle. Democrats didn't even get to pick their own nominee. They didn't get to pick who they wanted to run against Donald Trump. The DNC felt they knew better than their own voters and handpicked Joe Biden. They did the same thing in 2016 with Hillary. So the DNC, if you want to pick your candidate and not let the people vote, that's fine. But as far as everybody in this country, as far as us, we're not going to let you pick our president. It is not going to happen. So that's the fight Project Veritas has right now. And actually, James O'Keefe released what he found was a burner account for this FBI agent. Let's see. He posted it on Instagram. And just seeing what this guy says on his burner account, it is... Uh, at Titans fan Jeff, uh, this is on Twitter, Russell Strausser, some of his most recent tweets back to October 15th up until November 6th. He says, for your plans tonight, do not watch Trump's town hall, not even for the whatever that says. All he cares about is ratings. Don't give them to him. Otherwise, for the next 19 days, he'll talk about how his ratings were better than Biden's in place of answering real questions. 
on November 3rd, Election Day. Break of dawn, heading out to vote. Deep breaths. It will most likely be a long day. Now, how would this guy, how would this, this, this USPS inspector general know that it was going to be a long day? It's an interesting tweet. He also says the next day on November 4th, this is the way the election ends, not with a bang like expected, but with Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Saying that they would then be called for Joe Biden. That's how it ends. That's that's ironic because that's the way that's the, the, the way the media portrayed it to the country. That it went in that order. Wisconsin and Michigan, then Pennsylvania, and Joe's been declared president elect. How does he know that? On November 6th, he tweeted, This election has been a ride. Everyone said be patient. Everyone said the initial in-person vote counts would be a red mirage. Everyone said the slower-counted mail-ins would lean heavy blue. But boy, is it satisfying to watch Biden close the Georgia and Pennsylvania gap. Huh. Of course it's satisfying. You put in a lot of hard work to make sure that happened. And then also on November 6th, Stacey Abrams, y'all. Stacey Abrams. Hashtag she is America. Hashtag keep counting. Hashtag Georgia on my mind. That is the Twitter of the investigator hammering this USPS whistleblower claiming he said to him that he made up these allegations. That's what we're dealing with. Again, the fraud's right in front of your eyes. If you watched, I know we're, we're anti-Fox News right now, but if you decided to watch Tucker Carlson last night, Tucker started his show by listing off people that he himself, his show, had verified uh, as, as, as voting in this election. But in fact, have been dead for months and even years, and even in some case, decades. This is Tucker Carlson last night with that very list he presented to his viewers. So we want to be accurate. What we're about to tell you is accurate. It's not a theory. It happened, and we can prove it. Other news organizations could prove it, too. They've simply chosen not to. The position of corporate media across the country this week has been very simple. There was no voter fraud. The New York Times, once the paper of record, declared that as fact this morning across the entire front page. Look at this banner headline. Election officials nationwide find no fraud. No fraud, none. End of story. Move on and listen to Kamala. You're hearing virtually the same thing from everyone in the media. Everyone. At CNN, the anchors have been repeating the approved message for days. They say it with a kind of brittle intensity that suggests precisely because they don't really believe what they're saying, you absolutely must believe it. Shut up and accept the verdict, America. Sources tell CNN that top aides are suggesting that the defeated president, President Trump, hold rallies to drum up bogus conspiracies about election fraud. The GOP keeps spreading completely unsubstantiated claims of voter fraud. The attorney general now telling federal prosecutors to look into those unsubstantiated claims of voter fraud. There is no evidence of widespread voter fraud. No evidence of widespread flaws in the mail-in voting process. 
bogus conspiracy theories, completely unsubstantiated claims of voter fraud. They say it again and again, but what exactly are they talking about? They won't tell you, so we're going to tell you. Right now, fewer than 15,000 votes separate Donald Trump from Joe Biden in the state of Georgia. It's close enough that it's worth getting specific about what happened there. And Georgia's Secretary of State has now confirmed there will be a hand recount of all votes cast in Georgia. Among those votes, auditors will find a ballot cast by a woman called Deborah Jean Christensen. It'd be hard to find anyone who's got a bad word to say about Deborah Jean Christensen. She was well known in her community for years as a bird watcher, an avid gardener, a committed fan of the Georgia Bulldogs. Those who knew her were sad when she died last May, and they might be surprised to learn that even after her death, Deborah Jean Christensen still managed to register to vote and then cast a ballot, presumably for Joe Biden. In some ways, it's an inspiring story, the triumph of voting over death. And no one quite embodies that story like James Blaylock of Covington, Georgia. Mr. Blaylock was a mailman for 33 years until he passed away in 2006. 14 years later, according to state records, he was still mailing things. James Blaylock cast a ballot in last week's election. How did he do that? It might be worth asking the New York Times. Maybe James Blaylock was just one of those extraordinary mail carriers. Neither rain, nor snow, nor gloom of night, nor even death itself could keep him from the mail. In his case, maybe voting from the grave wasn't really fraud, it was just commitment. Okay, but what about Linda Kessler of Nicholson, Georgia? Linda Kessler died in 2003. 17 years later, she was still voting in presidential elections. Edward Swinot of Trenton, Georgia, spent his life working construction and teaching school. In his spare time, he loved bluegrass music. According to those who knew him, he played multiple instruments and enjoyed jam sessions. When he died five years ago at the age of 82, it seemed like he was gone from this world for good. But no, last week he voted for president. And he wasn't the only one. On your screen right now, you will see the names of other deceased voters. Every one of them played a role in last week's presidential election. As of tonight, there aren't enough of them to alter the outcome. That could change as we learn more. But for the moment, the point is, they exist. They are dead, but they voted anyway. So there is Tucker Carlson and their investigations into people. And as I'm watching this, he's still putting people on the screen, a lengthy list of people that just voted in the state of Georgia that are dead. I mean, that are dead, dead. 2003, 2006. Here's one for uh, 1987. They passed away. 2003, 2004, 2009. These aren't just kind of dead people. These, These are really dead people. They've been dead for a while. God bless their soul. That's a problem. The voter rolls being inaccurate and having dead people on the rolls is one thing. The voter rolls being inaccurate because people have moved or become felons or a a plethora of reasons is one thing. But for you to actually receive back ballots that are filled out and signed by those people that are dead, have moved, are felons or whatever, that is the problem. That's why we're in the situation we're in. Again, 
That's Tucker's team. That's what they found. That has nothing to do with the team of lawyers in the Trump team with what they have found. As of right now, the president is tweeting out about the Dominion systems that they used for the voting machines. There have been reports after reports of malfunctions, after uh, settings uh, being being reduced to allow more ballots through people feeding the same ballot through a machine multiple times so it can be counted over and over. This tweet is a report about Dominion deleting 2.7 million Trump votes nationwide. Data analysis finds 221,000 Pennsylvania votes switched from President Trump to Joe Biden. 941,000 Trump votes deleted. States using Dominion voting systems switched 435,000 votes from Trump to Biden. That is a report from Chanel Ryan at OAN, O-A-N-N, O-A-N, One America News Network. One America News, Newsmax, America's Voice. These news agencies have a real opportunity right now. They have an opportunity to bust this thing wide open and be hailed heroes for years to come. If they stick with it and they make sure the powers that be do not get away with this. We'll talk more about the Dominion stuff tomorrow because that's an entire show in itself and it's too much to handle. But here, this is what I want to show you. This is the question that has been asked of me over and over and over. Because what I did, I went on social media yesterday, yesterday morning, and I said, here is your official count for President of the United States. Here is the official electoral scorecard. As of right now, Donald Trump has 235 electoral votes. Joe Biden has 226. Now, if you're buying what the media tells you, you would think Joe Biden has 290 and that Donald Trump's got like 217. But that's not accurate. That is the media that has lied to you over the past four years still lying to you. Why would you think the media who has lied to you about collusion, impeachment, high school kids, everything under the sun they've lied to you about over the past four years, why do you think they would all of a sudden stop lying during the election? I beg of you, do not believe the media when they tell you who won this election. The Constitution and the media could not be further apart. They have nothing to do with each other. The only tie they have is the Constitution says the media has the freedom to do what they want to do, to do this garbage. The Constitution never foresaw the media getting in this sort of shape, but they do grant them that freedom. Other than that, the media has no tie to the Constitution. The Constitution decides this stuff. So let me show you the map. Here's what you got. 
This is what your current electoral map looks like. Now, this number, Trump, 320, uh, 232, go ahead and bump that up three points because they have called Alaska for Donald Trump. You can go ahead and say when NBC or CNN or somebody like that calls something for Trump, it's pretty much a done deal because they're not going to call a state for him if they don't have to. 235 to 226. Here is why that is the current score. There is no winner in Georgia. There is no winner in Pennsylvania. There's no winner in Michigan. No winner in Wisconsin. No winner in Nevada. And no winner in Arizona. The media has called this, 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 and this all for Joe Biden. And they refuse to call Georgia. That's why they're telling you Joe Biden has 290. It is simply a lie. Joe Biden standing on a stage with a backdrop that says Office of the President-Elect. That's completely made up. That's not a thing. There's no such thing as Office of the President-Elect. It's all theatrics. It's all made up. It's make-believe. There's no winner. The election isn't over. There is litigation in every one of these states. There are investigations in every one of these states. There are recounts in most of these states. So for Joe Biden to declare himself the winner, especially after during the first debate, when he was asked by Chris Wallace, will you wait until the election is certified before declaring victory? Joe Biden's answer was, yes, yes, I will. He is now declaring himself the winner. It's all a charade. So if you get worried because the news said Joe Biden won or it's over or whatever, remember what you heard on this show. This, this is the scorecard. Not what Fox News tells you. Not what MSNBC or CNN tells you. Not even what Newsmax or OAN tells you. The media does not decide who the winner of this election is. They never have, and they never will. For a lot of you guys, I, I, I don't blame you for getting freaked out when you see the media call this, because in the past, it was just kind of the standard, as I said earlier. And a lot of you guys have lives to live where you can't consume yourself with politics, so you don't know exactly what's going on. You just know you like Trump or whatever, and that you voted for him and you hope he wins. You don't really know. You may be new to politics or you may have just been out of it for a while. And you don't really know how this process works. You're trying to learn as you go. Well, that's why I'm trying to teach you how this process works. The media decides nothing. The media has zero say-so, zero involvement. This is about the courts. This is about the states. And this is about the Constitution that is it. Nobody else decides. Tomorrow, we'll talk about Dominion voting systems and why that in itself may very well flip this election on its head. Share this video, subscribe on YouTube, hit the notification bell, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all the social media platforms, MeWe, Parlor, Facebook, Twitter. It's all there. You can keep up with us every time a new episode drops. Until next time. See you, cool.